Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm rubber and you're glue. Bad names bounce off me and stick to you. So we got to get we got to get back into that again uh, later because uh, Putin doing the whole schoolyard I'm rubber you're glue thing about Biden yesterday and then afterwards and this one thing I wanted to ask Lon Chen because Joe Joe thought of this I didn't think of it when Putin challenged Joe Biden to a live debate I just thought okay that's kind of a typical thing to do no. No. He said, let's have a live conversation. No breaks, no pauses. <clears throat> he was calling Biden out for being old and senile. Lon He Chen, do you think that was, a, that was Putin saying, I don't think Biden's got the mental faculties to debate me live? Do you think so? Uh, you know, I think this back and forth with Putin is, uh, is really rich because if you look back a couple of years ago, it was Biden and Obama and their whole team that was looking to reset relations with Putin. And the Russia. reset button. Do yeah, Hillary's big reset red button. reset button and a big smile yeah. on her face and laughing. <laughs> yeah. Little did they know that that same man many years later would be trying to challenge the president of the United States to a mud wrestling match. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, Lonnie Chen's David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution and the Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. But um, my theory is that was the first world leader saying, your president is old and incapable. Don't you think that's what he was hinting at? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, you're you're going to hear it from the Russians, you know, more directly. You'll probably hear it from the government of the People's Republic of China as well. There was this really awkward exchange. I don't know if you guys saw it between our, our Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, uh, and, uh, and, and some Chinese officials yesterday in Alaska. They're meeting on the, on the borders of, uh, of a big summit that's going on up there. And, you know, the United States, uh, to, to the credit of Secretary Blinken, basically, you know, called out China for its malign activity and basically said, look, you guys have issues on human rights. You have internal issues. And then the representatives from China shot back and said, well, you Americans aren't so great yourselves. And Blinken sort of shot back in a, in a sort of unexpected way and said, hey, never bet against America. And that was a, that was a good moment. You know, you, you hope that the Biden administration and their team can continue having that kind of backbone. But, you know, look, we shouldn't be surprised. A lot of these world leaders, they interact with Biden. They understand what the what the equities are. Uh, Putin just happens to be a little more brazen about the whole thing. You're, you're a domestic policy guy, and we've got stuff to talk uh, about uh, with you on that. But. We've been talking about the China thing a lot and playing clips or whatever. I, Joe and I think that was a moment in history. I mean, that that's when it, 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 we're all laying the cards on the table now. We know what you're up to. We know you know. We know what you're up to. I mean, it was just it was it. It's on for the next century or however long this takes. Don't you think? Well, but it, I, you know, in some ways, it's better that way, right? It's better sure, that of course. we're very clear that we're very clear about what our what our issues are. You know, they're going to be clear about what their issues are. And, you know, are there opportunities to work together? Maybe. But it's better off. You know, I think we're much better off in a world where we're looking at this from a clear eyed perspective, as opposed to, you know, quite frankly, I I hate to go back to this, but the eight years of Obama Biden were basically eight years lost in terms of trying to resolve these issues with China. They essentially, you know, sort of played nice with with China knowing that a lot of this stuff was going on, and now it's come home to roost, unfortunately. So I, I do hope 
that this stance we saw Blinken take, the stance that we're seeing Biden take on this is something that sticks around because it's very important to be completely clear about what the challenges are. Yeah, the whole frenemies thing is uh, difficult to pull off successfully. Let's just go ahead and be enemies and be open about it. All right, to uh, to our shores, Lon He, the bookend jackass governors, uh, <laughs> Cuomo and Gavin Newsom. Let's start on the West Coast with Gavin Lunkhead Newsom and the recall effort. Uh, does it have a chance? Why is he getting recalled? I know you wrote a piece for the L.A. Times. I read the first part of it. I thought it was really good. Uh, talk to us. Why is Gavin Newsom uh, got his head on the recall block? Yeah, so so I'll come back to that, but I just want to start. You mentioned Cuomo and Newsom, and they have something in common, which is that they both come from states where there aren't a lot of political officials willing to hold them accountable. And the, the big argument I make is that when you have one party rule in a state for as long as you've had it in California or New York, politicians basically get away with whatever they want to get away with, whether it's horrible behavior toward women in the case of Andrew Cuomo, uh, or, or, or in the case of um, of Gavin Newsom, it's just bad management and poor leadership, and and they get away with it. Now, why is Newsom being recalled? He's not being recalled. You know, Newsom wants to make this about partisanship because he's looked at the polls. He recognizes that Republicans still aren't all that popular in California, so he calls it a Republican recall. And he tries to associate it with extremism, but that's offensive to the men and women throughout this state who are sick and tired of his poor response to COVID nineteen. That's really what this is about. This recall effort has been has been endorsed by two million Californians. And by the way, not all Republicans, you know, at least 35 percent of those people are independents or they're Democrats. And so why are they you know, why are they endorsing this? Because they look at what's happening in California. They look at the response to covid, the back and forth on shutdowns and reopenings. They look at the vaccine rollout and realize that we're one of the eight worst states in America when it comes to our vaccine program in California. They look at the fact that the unemployment insurance system is beset by almost $30 billion in fraud. And then they look at our schools and they see them still shut. And then they look at another very liberal state like Massachusetts that has a real governor, Charlie Baker, who basically said, look, we're going to open the schools for five day a week in person instruction in April, whether the unions like it or not. Wow. That is leadership. And that's what we don't have in California. Wow. I didn't even know that happened. That makes me even angrier. Worth pointing out that California is 49th in America in getting kids into classrooms. Awful. Well, and, and that's going to be the, the one of the tragedies. I, I mean, obviously, the the many lost lives are a tragedy of this pandemic. But I think when we look back, we're going to say, what did we do to a generation of kids by keeping them out of the classroom, by not giving them access to the education that they need at a critical time in their lives? And, you know, a lot of states realize this. By the way, I don't know if you guys just saw this came across the wire just very recently. The CDC is now saying three feet of separation yep. in the classroom. I was going to mention that. Kids is acceptable. And, and how long and, have they and, known that? And if they'd have told us earlier, there would have been a lot more leverage to get these schools open. But, but you see, that's the point, though, is all along people have been saying we can open schools safely. No one's saying, you know, hey, rip the Band-Aid off, let the kids go back to school, let them slobber all over each other. But no one's saying that. Right. People who are talking about reopening the schools are saying, what are the mitigation strategies we can put in effect? And by the way, the federal government has spent hundreds of billions of dollars to try and improve schoolhouses to make sure kids can get back safely. The money is there. The resources are there. The parents want the kids back in school. Why are they still not back in school in some states? That's well, the question it, people should be asking. 
Sorry, Lonnie, it's a little frustrating. Even if they hadn't spent a single damn dollar, the kids would be safe. We talked about a Gallup poll yesterday that was absolutely shocking and, and it brings us to a really big problem in this country. Democrats uh, believed that the virus, that COVID-19 was 80 times more deadly to people 18 and under than it is. 80 times higher than the reality. Uh, what? How do you manage a society with information that bad? Yeah, I mean, we do have a mis- we have a misinformation and a disinformation crisis in America. There, there's no question about it. And you know, the, the the problem we have. I mean, this gets into a whole social media rant, and I don't want to go there. I think social media has really made made all of us worse mm-hmm. off in a lot of ways. No doubt. Uh, because it allows us information and disinformation to spread quickly. But on on the issue of schools and kids, this is the one thing. I mean, you want to talk about what's driving frustration in Newsom and other governors who haven't performed on this account. It is because they cannot seem to get the basic blocking and tackling of government right. Basic questions of how do you manage a state government. And, and it just shows how woefully unprepared Newsom was. And by the way, you got a bunch of people in California who could be in a position to hold Newsom accountable, basically standing by and twiddling their thumbs, basically saying we're more interested in protecting Gavin Newsom than we are in protecting the people of the state of California. And that is unconscionable. And it's something that people need to wake up to in this state. I mean, quite frankly, this is it's hard. I get it because a lot of people in California, they have a bad association with Republicans. I get that. This is not about Republican and Democrat. It's about what do you need to do to hold leaders accountable in the state? And when you have people like Newsom and people who who basically are interested in protecting their hides and his, this is what you end up with. So I have one more question that you could uh, give an hour answer on, but just, uh, you know, you can go yes or no if you want to. We haven't talked about the filibuster much. We're not sure how much people understand it or care about it. Um, I've done a lot of reading about it. Do you think the Democrats will do away with the with the filibuster? Uh, it's increasingly likely that they will erode it and they'll eat away at it piece by piece. Okay, going to start you know, with the making it the talking filibuster and then eventually. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That, okay. That's what I think is going to happen. Gotcha. Maybe and we'll are talk you, about that later. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Why don't we follow up with that uh, maybe next week? Lon Hee Chen of the Hoover Institution, Stanford University. It's always great. Thanks, Lon Hee. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah. He's pretty worked up about the school stuff. I've been worked up about the school stuff for a year. What a reason today. I just feel like I can't go into that area or I won't be able to stop. It's so it's so frustrating. So maddening. Yeah. 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 And so evil. And evil. I mean, absolutely amoral, awful evil. But I'm at risk of getting him started. So <laughs> we'll move on. Don't even get me started. Uh, were the airline bailouts really needed by Andrew Ross Sorkin? That's a pretty interesting piece. I don't know if we want to get into that. We we really ought to, uh, if you haven't heard the whole Putin thing, the I'm rubber, your glue, that whole thing, it's, uh, it's pretty entertaining. We got to hit him back with fatty, fatty two by four. <laughs> it's time to take the gloves off. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So you know Vladimir Putin, you think he's a killer? Mm Mm-hmm. I do. 
Evidently, Putin wasn't thrilled with Biden's killer comments because last night, Russia recalled its ambassador to the United States. What? Why? What are they upset about? Putin is famous for being a killer. It's kind of his thing, along with horses and nipples. <laughs> He's killed so many people that in 2017, the Washington Post was able to publish a list of 10 critics of Vladimir Putin who died violently or in suspicious ways. His greatest hits are hits. Not a joke. Yeah, so uh, Biden in an interview with George Stephanopoulos the other day said that. He said, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Putin is a killer. He is absolutely a killer. And Putin was that the same st- interview with the he has no soul claim? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And Putin was going to stand for that. No. Although, as you pointed out, uh, Putin likes to be called a killer. Putin's oh, yeah. His power depends on being thought of as a killer. Oh, yeah. So which uh, which do you want to hear these first? As we go Alexei through? Navalny thinks he's a killer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's a killer. There's no doubt about it. I don't know. I got the list too far away from me. My eyes are getting worse. So how did we do it last time there, Sean? Uh, we got uh, number 44. Okay. Uh, the crowd favorite. Everybody's been asking for it. A Kremlin oh, yeah. spokesman said there hasn't been anything like this in history as the Russian president analyzed the comments. I remember when we were young and would bicker out in the yard. We would say, I'm rubber and you're glue. Bad names bounce off me and stick to you. We always see our own qualities in other people and assume that they are just like us. Putin accused the U.S. of past genocide, slavery, and referenced Black Lives Matter, themes that Russian bots use online to divide Americans. The man with his finger on the button of the second biggest nuclear arsenal on the planet, said, I'm rubber and you're glue. Everything you say bounces off me and sticks to you. I'm rubber and you're glue. Bad names bounce off me and stick to you. So is your mother. Well, ollie ollie oxen free. So there. What? No takesies backsies. What? What? What the heck? And he had that usual Putin smile on his face of... I'm a, I'm a smart aleck, and I know I'm a smart aleck, and what are you going to do about I'm it? I'm rubber, and you're glue. Bad names bounce off me and stick to you. But I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. Yeah, huh? I will win argument or poison you. So either way, <laughs> he's good. And then I'll wrestle a bear with my nipples showing. <laughs> yes, yes, putting them at risk. You know, nipples enrage bears, Jack. Keep them hidden if you're in bear country. Well, now you took... The uh, the quote in clip number 41, very seriously. Um, you took this as a threat. I'm not sure I did, but folks, you be the judge. Is this a threat to old man Biden? A war of words erupted just hours after President Biden vowed that Vladimir Putin would pay a price for attempting to undermine the 2020 U.S. election and agreed that the Russian president is a killer. Regarding my American colleague's statement, as he said, we know each other personally. What I would answer him, I would tell him stay healthy, I wish him good health, I say this without irony. Yeah, don't fall out any windows or uh, (laughs) get a water bottle that's tainted or anything like that. Why did he say I say this without any irony? Because that's an incredibly ironic thing to say. You snuff your opponents. (laughs) I don't know, and it's possible it's one of those Russian words that doesn't translate quite correctly, and because uh, that doesn't quite make sense to me either. Um, 
Right, right. Well, he gave him a live long and prosper. But I would tell him, stay healthy. I wish him good health. I say this without irony. Isn't that a mobster coming and saying, yeah, I hope you, I hope you stay healthy. I hope your wife's good. I hope your kids are healthy. Isn't that just a threat? It could be. I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, but then Putin later said, I've just thought of this now, he told a reporter yesterday. I want to invite President Biden to continue our discussion, but on the condition that we do it actually live, but with no delays, directly in an open, direct discussion. And So I, I think I Vlad thinks he can best Biden one-on-one. He thinks Biden's old and senile. Yeah, I didn't catch that, but I think that's clearly what's going on. I thought it was just the typical, um, you know, I want to be seen as an equal on the world stage thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. It's a, <laughs> you don't have the mental capability of, of doing anything live because, and it's because of the press conference thing. When Molly Hemingway the other day, the Federalist, when they said it's now a national security issue, Biden's press conferences, so maybe they should put him off, putting him off is a national security issue. You have enemies of the United States, world leaders, thinking our president is, uh, hasn't got his act together mentally. And yeah. they might be right. Yeah. yeah. The, the other thing that I'm sure Putin wanted to accomplish is he, he can get into whataboutism, the way the Chinese diplomats were doing, yep. calling you out saying, oh, your cops kill black people. Uh, your, your white people are hunting down Asian people in the street. The U.S. is a terrible country, too. Bringing us down is reward enough for them. And they you, don't have to bring themselves up. And you got all our biggest media helping along with that. So good job. Nice job. And giving some talking points to Russia and China. Really appreciate that. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, the NFL, though, has finalized a new 11-year media rights agreement that could be worth uh, more than $100 billion. It added uh, Amazon Prime Video as an exclusive partner for its Thursday night football package. It's the first time a streaming service will carry a full package of games exclusively. Reports say Amazon is paying about a billion dollars per year. Yeah, I'll, I can see how. I mean, so if you want to watch Thursday night football, the most popular sport in America by far, you have to get Amazon. Yeah, yeah, I have it, so you know, it's, I'm, I'm I have fine it with it. But that's a heck of a move. Yeah. Uh, also, they added a game. Going to be 17 games this coming season instead of 16, which it's been since the early 70s, I think. Yeah, I guess they're just converting a preseason game into a real game. Okay. I've read about it. So you know what the heck? As long as you're getting bashed around, you might as well be you know fighting for a playoff spot and getting paid. Oh, by the way, later this half hour, I want to play you a little more about the meeting between China and the United States yesterday. A clip I think you'll find, uh, as Joe said earlier, they call everything historic. This is historic. The meeting between China and the United States, and everybody recognized. Okay, we're enemies. We're the two biggest things on the planet, and we're enemies, and we're headed toward conflict. Let's just all admit it here. Anyway, more on that later. Uh, good news if you don't come home and there's someone in your home that claims you're they're your spouse. Because that would be unsettling. Say again? Pete Davidson of Saturday Night Live. Some woman broke into his home claiming to be married to him. Hmm. Now, he wasn't there at his, the time, but his mom was. He oh, talks Lord. regularly on Saturday Night Live about how he lives with his mom on in the house that they grew up in on Long Island. 
But anyway, this crazy woman who believes that they had gotten married or something. I'm assuming the story ends with them actually getting married. <laughs> with Pete Davidson, yeah. it might. But anyway, he is he has not commented. But yeah, she 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 came to the front door and said, "Yeah, I'm Pete's wife, and I need to." And and mom said, "Get out of here." I mean, like he has the kind of house where he can just go knock on the door, and talk to mom, and uh, right. she just said, "Get out of here." Uh, but the the woman went around the back and came in the house. <laughs> just came in the house, was hanging out in the house. Wow, what a nut job! Remember that happened wow. to David Letterman for years. There was some woman that thought she was David Letterman's wife. Kept showing up. Oh, at that's his home. right. Yeah, I actually, I, I her her name is on the edge of my memory. But yeah, but he yeah. had like so a com- you want to be famous. He had like a compound with fences and dogs and gates and security and stuff like that. Not like Pete Davidson's place where you just walk up to the front door. Yeah, weird though. There's a, a lot of mental illness in the world. What are you going to do? Get a gate and a dog in a compound and those things you were talking about? Move out of your mom's house? <laughs> you child? As a really successful nationally known figure? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, we're going to talk about China next, aren't we? Yeah. That's funny. I'm next all segment. loaded to talk about Let me just mention this to you because I think it's so interesting. The report on the WHO report on the COVID is now been leaked. Essentially, and the Wall Street Journal has all sorts of information on it. That WHO report that we heard about was even more of a joke than I'd realized oh, really? at the time. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing where lab accident is unlikely. It might be fish sticks. The whole, just it, the entire endeavor was a joke controlled by the WHO and China. Together And to the extent that the WHO even wanted to do a good job, they were prevented from doing it. Nothing they say is worth listening to, which is uh, disappointing, given the billions and billions of dollars of funding the WHO gets. Wedding face masks are becoming a booming business. So as things get back to normal, people that have put off their weddings are going to get married. Michael didn't put off his. You went ahead and got married in the middle of a pandemic. That's right. That'll be a good story for your grandchildren. You went ahead and got married in the pandemic. But uh, people are bringing their weddings back that they put off last summer. But wedding face masks are a big thing, you know, having the right ones that match the tuxedos and the dresses and everything like that. Hmm. Um, Biden's net approval rating jumped nine points post the stimulus package passing. What's that uh, quote you've been hitting me with for 20 years? As soon as people figure out they can vote themselves money or something like that. From the Treasury, yeah, the democracy is doomed. And uh, people have figured that out and they really approved of it. Heavy rainfall in Greece. Why would I care about that? It's rained so much that it led to the discovery of a bronze bull figurine. Nice. Believed to be made to satisfy the god Zeus in ancient Olympia 3,000 years ago. And it had been hiding under the mud for all these years, and it rained so much that it just popped out of the ground. You know what would satisfy me? A little gold bull. (laughs) I'm Somebody very angry. There's no way you can calm me down. I'll be throwing bolts of lightning at your town unless you happen to have a little bronze bull because I really like those. <laughs> Give us a couple of days, Zeus. Yeah, other people's gods are funny. <laughs> That's what I take away from it. Oh, that reminds me. Irma Gerd, can I find that real quick? The the California schools ethnic studies thing that we've been talking about where they're going to make your kids chant the names of various Aztec gods that sacrificed humans by the hundreds of thousands and the rest of it. This is even crazier than I thought. That's getting a lot of attention. But, you know, honestly, it's not going to hurt my kids to chant an Aztec slogan. I mean, it just it won't. But 
of things going on in public schools, that's the far down the list of things I'm concerned about. But this new program called the Ethnic Studies Model Curriculum uh, seeks to extend the left's cultural dominance in California's public universities and schools. The new Ethnic Studies Curriculum is based on the pedagogy of the oppressed, developed by Marxist theoretician Paulo Freire, who argued that students must be educated about their oppression in order to attain critical consciousness. This is the actual development of this thing. Uh, the model curriculum instructs teachers to help students, quote, challenge racist, bigoted, discriminatory, imperialist slash colonial beliefs and critique white supremacy, racism and other forms of power and oppression that inspires their students to participate in social movements that struggle for justice, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, this guy, <clears throat> the original co-chair of this curriculum <clears throat> in his book, Rethinking Ethnic Studies, uh, argues the United States was founded on a Eurocentric, white supremacist, racist, anti-black, anti-indigenous, capitalist, classist, patriarchal, sexist, and misogynist, heteropatriarchal, homophobic, and anthropocentric paradigm brought from Europe. At which point his uh, dictionary burst into flames. <laughs> <clears throat> The document claims that whites began grabbing the land, etc., etc. The religious narrative is even more disturbing. He developed a mandala claiming that white Christians committed theocide against indigenous tribes, killing their gods and replacing them with uh, Christianity. Each, white settlers. Each of those Indian tribes having mm-hmm. committed that very same thing against a different Indian tribe to take over that particular part of land over thousands of years. And so the point of the whole indoctrination of your little children in California public schools is to name, speak to, resist, and transform the Eurocentric neocolonial condition Fantastic. and reform the society. Fantastic. And that's already in the schools or just being proposed? Uh, scanning, scanning. Next week, the California Department of Education will vote on it. Okay, well, we'll keep our eye on that for crying out loud. So we have semi-breaking news. Joe Biden tripped going down the stairs of Air Force One. Sean is watching the video to see whether this is a mockable event or a minor thing that could happen to any person or certainly any old man. What's your current reading of it? Uh, still trying to track down the uh, the initial video. Let me okay. jump to the tweeter. It machine. just happened like yeah. a couple minutes ago. So. Well, I mean, did he? I mean, if he actually tripped and fell, that'd be terrible. It's a long staircase. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing with tripping and falling. It it ranges from hilarious to tragic and everything and every step in between tripping and falling is like that depends on the person the age the injury the setting all kinds of different things it makes a difference if your buddy and you're drinking beer steps up from the couch and cracks his knee on the coffee table you're gonna laugh so hard you cry (laughs) (laughs) but you know if your grandmother slips on the ice no well it could be fatal then nothing funny about that at all so anyway we'll look into that um speaking of schools you might remember this story, New Jersey School District. Uh, a guy who is wearing a Trump T-shirt for school pictures. They uh, edited it out. They, 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 they photoshopped out the Trump stuff on his shirt and oh made it God. just a plain blue T-shirt. Well, there was an uproar over that. The guy complained and said, hey, you can't do that. Free speech, etc., etc." The school blamed this particular secretary and she ended up being the scapegoat for it and got death threats and had to move and change her phone number and still is getting death threats and that sort of thing. She didn't do it at all. She did it, but the principal told her to. And what are you supposed to do when you're the secretary? Oh, and he threw her under the bus? He threw her under the bus, and the school just paid her 
three hundred twenty-five thousand uh, dollars, which she says is not enough because I don't think my life will ever be the same. You know, if you live in a small town, you've been there your whole life. Your life probably won't ever be the same. By the way, just in case, I've always wondered how this works. Three hundred twenty-five thousand dollar payout. She gets two hundred thousand. The lawyer gets a hundred and twenty-five for bringing mm-hmm. the case. So. Yep, it's usually a third. Oh, okay. That's a good handy rule. Okay, I have the video I'm about to watch of Biden going up the stairs. We'll see if this is tragic, comic, or nothing. He's going up the stairs. He's walking. Pretty pretty spry for an old man. Oh, slip. Minor slip. Oh, second slip. Oh, third. Oh, my God, he's down on both knees. Yeah, he's fully hurt. Now he's rubbing his knees. Now he's gingerly going up with both hands on the rail. Okay, and he's okay walking into the plane. So he's not like... The the first one was a nothing, but I think he tried to do the, hey, hey, no, just carry the momentum yep. through the next, and he didn't fully get the, his balance again. And The, the yeah, third the, one, he's down on both knees, and that would have hurt anybody. I busted my neck. Especially if you're 80 years old. Yeah, well... Hmm. On tomorrow's episode of Old Men Climbing Stairs, we'll feature Robert De Niro. Join us, won't you? <laughs> Jeez, that's a... That's the worst fall we've ever seen on video by a president of the United States. I apologize for that. When Ford fell, how bad was Ford's fall? I don't remember it. I was a kid. I remember he I did. He hit his head getting out of the helicopter, right? He did a couple. Remember when Chevy Chase did his President Ford on Saturday Night Live 45 years ago? Um, uh, he would always have a Band-Aid on his head. Yeah. Kind of, because yeah. Ford's such a klutz. But but he wasn't, though. He kind of that was fake. He made that up. You don't discredit the man from Michigan. So, so okay, so it's a, I don't know if the steps are slippery. His shoe just kind of slips and gets a little fall. Okay, no big deal. Then he takes another step down a little further. Then he oh. tries to go again, and then both knees go down to the step. And then he stands up and rubs his knees a little like, ow, that hurts. It seems like a case of dress shoe meets worn carpet. Yeah, I could see that. Dress shoe, slippery dress shoe, maybe new dress shoes where they're really slippery on the bottom. Yeah, he needs a, um, uh, what do you call a person who makes shoes? Cobbler? Haberdasher? Mm-hmm. That's a shoemaker? Um, <laughs> I wonder if Kamala, Har- Kamala Harris was watching this. He's got to get the rubber things in the bottom of it, like I do my cowboy boots, so you don't slip and fall like that. He goes down, man. Kamala was squirting soap on the stairs. Yeah, my dad please, falls she's like greasing that. the steps. <laughs> Kamala Harris, you heard it here first. Kamala Harris greasing the steps of Air Force One. D- prove I'm wrong. Rubbing them up with soap. Go ahead. Prove I'm wrong. If my dad, who's roughly the same age, or mom felt like that, I'd be concerned that they, you know, going to need an operation. Well, they got to find some graceful way to have the 80-year-old president not climb up and down all those stairs every time he gets on and off an airplane. Hanson thinks maybe he broke his ankle. That does take quite a turn there. Oh. Yeah. So it, maybe he got into the plane, and as soon as they shut the door, he was, oh, jeez, mother, god dang it. Oh, 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 might have been like that. I don't think he finishes the ascent the same way with a broken ankle. I don't think though. so either, because he gets up the last of the stairs. Can, can be like adrenaline, Sean. That's a Tiger rough... Woods won the U.S. Open on a broken leg. That's one, a possibly you know, really painful fall for an old man. But two, particularly funny if you're just only looking at it from that. I mean, it's like it's like built for comedy. It's like it was a prat fall, kind of a little slip, another one, and then a wah. All the way. Can um, and, and here's the other thing to watch for today. How would the press have handled this if Trump did exactly the same thing? Oh, right. How much compassion out of the press would there be if Trump, not that much younger, had done exactly the same thing going up Air Force One? Well, remember the walking slowly down the ramp gate? Oh yeah, 
for about a day. Yeah, exactly. And all he did was shuffle a little bit as an old man on the ramp. He didn't fall clear down to his knees and rub his knees like a little kid who just fell off his bike. Speaking of ramps, get the President of the United States a ramp so he doesn't have to go up and down the stairs. Why is an 80-year-old man climbing 30 steep stairs to get in his plane? Very good point, Joe. He's gotta Bingo. He's got to get have a cherry picker there. They just put him in it, and they just lift him up there, and he walks off from here on out. There. Or maybe what? a harness, and he's just dangling. <laughs> they lift him up there. <laughs> or they shoot him out of a cannon. As long as idiotic ideas are being thrown around, please. <laughs> I like that one. Shoot him out of a cannon. Armstrong and Getty. (laughs) The Armstrong and Getty Show. So Biden sent his team, and China sent their team, she sent his team to Alaska, and they're meeting for the first time in the Biden administration. And not just that, it's the first time since uh, everybody's attitudes have changed a lot. Actually, I think China's attitude has been the same for since the early 70s. We're going to overtake the United States and replace them as the world's superpower. But um, we just we ca- just fell for their their act that they wanted to be friends and cooperate. Yeah, we just recently caught on to it, and now we're making it clear that we've caught on to it, and uh, we're not going to play along anymore. And here's a little bit of the back and forth from yesterday. And um, at one point, I saw the reporting that the uh, the Chinese representative, the woman, was speaking very slowly, and then she would look over at the interpreter to make sure that every bit was getting caught, because, I mean, they chose their words carefully to make sure the United States heard it. But anyway, wow. here you go. The Biden administration's first high-level talks with China publicly exposed the tensions between Washington and Beijing. China's top diplomat lectured U.S. administration officials for 15 minutes about alleged American shortcomings after after Secretary of State Tony Blinken criticized China. This all happened in front of cameras and reporters. Senior foreign affairs correspondent and Face the Nation moderator Margaret Brennan joins us. Margaret, good morning. Uh, These were some pretty tense exchanges changes we're talking about here. What do you think we should take away from this? Anthony, this is what is now called wolf warrior diplomacy. That's the newly assertive approach that the Chinese leader Xi Jinping has adopted. These high-level meetings are usually really scripted. You get about two minutes to air your grievances at the top, and you do it in sort of a hedged, polite way. But this top Chinese diplomat just blasted the U.S., as you said, for 15 minutes. A litany of complaints, including criticisms of the Black Lives Matter movement, which China said was a a sign of America's human rights problems here at home. Uh, the, The Chinese diplomats asked for the TV cameras to stay in the room to capture this, and a senior Biden official later said this was grandstanding in theatrics. The ambush is just a, a snapshot of this conflict to come. Uh, this week, the Secretary of Defense vowed that the U.S. is going to keep pace with China's modernized military, which has been muscle flexing in Asia. The Secretary of State just the day before sanctioned 24 Chinese officials for human rights violations in Hong Kong. So it, the gloves are off. The good news is that they'll still be talking today. Yeah, that's barely <laughs> good, good news. a good way to kick off the relationship, so, though, Margaret. Um, Thank you. Uh, Ian Bremmer's... You're welcome. Ian, Ian Bremmer said that um, that was a particularly bad start for the most important relationship in the world. 
Um, this is what you what you would call a big deal, a really big deal, not okay. And went on to say, China now expects the U.S. to treat it as an equal. The U.S. does not accept that and has no intention of doing so. And that is the fundamental difference. I'd say that's mm-hmm. a fundamental difference. Robert D. Blackwell, fellow with the Council on Foreign Relations, co-author of a new report on the issue, said Thursday, we're not predicting that there will be a war between the U.S. and China over Taiwan, but we are worried about one. Yeah. Among other things. You know, long story short, we went from the marriage counselor to the lawyer's office with China. That's pretty good. Um, and every everybody knows it. China, for years and years, was weaker militarily and financially, economically, and they knew it. And so they played the, oh, we're weak. We just want to be friends. We just want to be part of the world economy. And if you let us be that, we'll, we'll be good people. And we fell for it. We thought, oh, my God, if we can get rid of this gigantic communist threat, all right, we'll do that. But then it became clear they were jobbing us. They didn't want to be friends. They wanted to vanquish us. We ran and out. Trump called them out. We ran out of time for the mascot battle in the NCAA tournament. We'll have to do that hour four. If you haven't heard it previously, check out the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. It's been hilarious so far, but we'll get to some games coming up next hour. You got some lined up, Sean? Oh, yeah. They're really strong matchups, too. Uh, some upsets. Well, and, and it's, come on, hilarious nothing. It's all about the betting. Sean's letting us know who to bet heavily on based on the mascot fight to the death. I pick uh, winners. Metric. <laughs> Can the right. Spartan beat a Wolverine? I don't know how to even figure these things out. It's not easy. It's your lock of the week. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> <laughs> 